For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. In today's episode, want to get to some of the action from the Premier League. Also, a look at the state of the playoff race in baseball and a preview of the Ryder Cup that's coming up this weekend. And maybe you fancy your luck. Maybe you want to get a bet in on the golf or the end of the baseball season or maybe the beginning of the new NFL season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With an updated new site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything American football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's Bet online your online sports book experts and i wish that i had used bet online back in march because i had my good friend jake reiner on the podcast and i just want to play you a snippet from our conversation way back in march when we were talking you know even before the beginning of the baseball season we made our predictions nearly seven months before any idea of you know the sense of the results and now we're kind of starting to see how the leagues are shaping up teams are claiming playoff berths so this episode was recorded uh, a couple of days before opening day so it was a bit bold to make predictions on how we saw the whole MLB season panning out but I want to play you a segment from that conversation about the American League East take a listen well let's get to our projections then because I I fear that the Yankees won't be as healthy I also don't think that the I don't rate the Red Sox as much as other people do I'd love to hear your take how do you think it ends in the AL East I think it ends how they have it on on fan graphs, but I think it's I think it's going to be closer than we think. I think that it's going to be Yankees, Blue Jays, could be you could flop Rays, Red Sox. It could be either or. You could see and and honestly, you could see the Rays finish second and the Blue Jays finish third. But I'm going to go Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, Rays, and Orioles. You can be surprised to hear this one out of me, but I think the Rays win the East this year. I think they wow. Come out that top. is a that is a scalding hot take. It's a big take. I think it's Rays, Jays, Yanks, Red Sox, Orioles in that order. Jesus, you the Yankees are finishing I'm, third, John. I've got the Yankees finishing third because I do think they have a problem with uh, they'll have a problem with injuries. I'm not buying the Yankees on paper as much as anybody else is. Maybe it's bold to say that the Rays because the Rays could surprise everyone. That's the reason I'm taking them to win the the division. And I I see the Yankees having problems. I see them struggling in series against some of these. I don't see them just dominating the whole East because it's too competitive. So yeah. big take, Rays, Jays, Yanks, Sox, Orioles. That's me. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Seven months on, that prediction holds pretty good. The ALE standings currently 
uh, have the Rays on top. The Red Sox actually have just snuck into second in the last couple of days. The Blue Jays in third and the Yankees in fourth with the Orioles rounding out the AL East. Like I said, to start all this off, I wish I had bet online because the Rays winning the East wasn't that bold of a take ultimately because it looks like they are going to have the AL East and take a playoff berth. It's been an amazing run from the Rays and it's been a disappointing run for the Yankees. They dropped games to the Orioles late in the season, just in the last couple of days. They've had trouble with the Blue Jays. And I think this represents something bigger in the game of baseball. For years, it's been assumed that the Yankees are going to be strong. Some of the deepest pockets in the way is financials at the club. They're always going to try and put an all-star lineup out there, biggest names in the game. And they're in an environment that begs accomplishment. The winningest franchise in sports, the most spotlight-focused media in the whole country, But eventually it comes down to the game and it comes down to the sport. And this is why I love sport, because it's all about being in the ring, giving yourself the opportunity and seizing on it. I love seeing the Orioles taking care of the Yankees the other night. I I, I think it's amazing when a team like the Rays on a shoestring budget can be dominant in this, you know, incredibly competitive division. And I don't want to sound like I'm against the Yankees. I'm totally not. I actually love the Yankees. I've had some great experiences going to games there. When I lived in New York, I would watch Yankee games and kind of adopted them as my own team. I I wasn't going to be a Mets fan because my Dodger allegiance is too strong. But like they were my adopted AL team. And I think it's important and it's good for the game that others have the opportunity to compete and be able to show their dominance. And And for a while, it's there's been an amazing thing going on in Tampa Bay with these Rays. Let's not forget they were in the World Series just last year. They always find a way to be competitive, and they are so good at simply seizing the moment. They are explicitly good at that. Like I said, the American League East is probably the most competitive division in the entirety of the American League, and that's proof in the wildcard standings. Yankees aren't out of it, But the two teams poised at the minute to snag the wildcard spots in the American League are the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. And the Red Sox have made a bit of a run of late in recent days, and they're hoping to hold on to that one or one and a half game difference over Toronto. It will be interesting to see how it all shakes out and whether or not the two wildcard teams are American League East teams. But one thing is for certain, I think the Rays look poised to get back to the American League Championship and maybe even back to the World Series. They're definitely winning the AL East, so eyes will definitely be on the American League East. The American League Central seems to have wrapped up. The White Sox pretty much have the Central covered 11 games over the Cleveland Indians. The Astros look like they'll hold it out west, six games over Oakland. I think it'll play out, like I said, the Rays and the White Sox will be in the American League Championship Series. And uh, Rays maybe even get back to the World Series. And it's a similar story in the National League West as it is in the National League East. The level of competition versus the rest of the league just completely outweighs itself. The Dodgers and Giants are by far and away the best teams in the National League. They're they're probably the best two teams in baseball. Best records by far. They lock down playoff berth before anybody else. And there is a debate that needs to be had about teams that are so far and away the league leaders within one division that they're going to end up having to roll their fate in a one-game wildcard. Only one of of these two teams is going to win the division. They're going to win the NL West and guarantee themselves that first three-game series. But the other will have to play in that one-game wildcard game. The Dodgers and Giants have the two best records in baseball. There's only one game that splits them. 97 wins for San Francisco, 96 for the Dodgers, as I talk to you here on September 21st. 
The next closest is the Brewers with 91 wins, who are going to cruise into the playoffs with, uh, as it's not too close in the Central, they're 11 games ahead of St. Louis. But because of the nature of the wildcard game, one of them's just going to have to play in this do-or-die game. And like I said, there's only one game that splits the Dodgers and Giants. They don't play each other again this season, but it could get bounced around. Maybe the Dodgers make a late push in the season and end up winning the West, forcing the Giants to be in that wildcard game. And then vice versa, could stay the same and the Dodgers end up having to be in this one game situation. The fear is for either the Giants fan or Dodgers fans out there is that they don't end up winning the division. They get to the one game wildcard. It's probably looking like it's going to be St. Louis that they end up facing. And St. Louis will be 16 or 17 games worse than either one of the Dodgers or Giants. The 80 wins so far on the season, maybe they'll get it up to 84, 85, 86. But we're talking about a 15-game difference in win totals. And it all comes down to a wild card, and they might end up losing it, and there goes a nearly 100-victory season for either one of these franchises. And that's just the way that the game is structured. That's the way that our playoff system is structured. Maybe it should go to more of a collective assumption that okay well this team should be ranked number one number two number three number four and then you know five and six can battle it out in the wild card but the way that the major league schedule stands is that you play the teams within your division more than you play the teams in the entirety of the league so it would actually be unfair to go into a rating system of one two three four because every team doesn't have the same amount of opportunity to play one another so it's not actually your standings in the league it's your standing within the division of five teams it's you play more games against the Arizona Diamondbacks than you do against the Braves and maybe because of how bad the Diamondbacks were this season and how good the Braves are maybe the Dodgers don't end up with 96 wins these are all guesses and presumptions that we can make but this is the way that the Major League Baseball schedule and playoff structure is and we've got to live with that reality so if either the Giants or the Dodgers end up in the wildcard game and they lose that one-card wildcard game, that's the way our game is structured and we just kind of have to suck it up and face it. There'll be a lot of scoreboard watching for both the Dodgers and the Giants keeping an eye on one another, seeing if they can bounce up. One of them can take the division before the other, putting the other one in that spot where they're going to have to be in this one-game wildcard playoff and we'll see how it all shakes out. Like I said, St. Louis looks to grab that second wildcard spot. Like I said, Milwaukee's going to walk away with the Central and the Braves will win the East. And they're winning the East just barely over 500. They've got a 78-win, 70-loss season going. So it's, it's pretty remarkable, the discrepancy between the records within the National League. But that's the way the game's structured. That's the way our playoff schedule is structured. Do we want to change it to a more formal, okay, best record, second best record, you know, you're guaranteed a playoff series. You know, I don't know. This is, it's such a baseball debate. You know, we've got the Bulls to contend with, with, you know, whether or not they're flying out of the park as normal. We've got sticky substances to worry about. And now we've got our playoff structure to worry about. So (laughs) it never ends with baseball. We'll see how it all plays out in the coming weeks. Looking forward to covering the playoffs here on the All-American Brit Podcast.
great weekend in the Premier League. Let's get to some of the action from Premier League football. An amazing game at London Stadium, the home of West Ham. They were taking on Manchester United. Lots of early chances for the Hammers. De Gea had to make some incredible saves for United. And it was West Ham who struck first. Ben Rama off of a deflection from Raphael Varane. Quite unlucky for Varane. And De Gea, the goalkeeper, was just left completely flat-footed. Went to the back of the net for West Ham 30 minutes into the game. Man United started pushing. And it was amazing to watch Cristiano Ronaldo playing on and off the ball even more. He's always lurking in the box. And when... You know, there's a couple of defenders who have been told, keep your eyes on Ronaldo. But sometimes when the focus goes onto the ball in the box, he becomes a second thought. And that's exactly how the goal was scored less than five minutes later. Everyone's focus went onto the ball as it came in and not on Ronaldo. And then Ronaldo all over the scraps. The ball bounces off of the goalkeeper, Fabianski, and Ronaldo's there to get the rebound and put it into the back of the net. He's now scored every game since returning to Manchester. Absolutely world-class from the legend that is Cristiano Ronaldo. Lots more opportunities came in the second half. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made his changes for United, bringing on Jadon Sancho and Jesse Lingard. Lingard had spent some time as a hammer. He had played for West Ham less than a year ago. He was out of favour at Manchester and he was warmly received at West Ham on loan. And they gave him a really wonderful reception as he came on the field. And then in the 88th minute, Lingard got the ball in the box. An amazing first touch, gets enough space and then just plants the ball in the top corner. He didn't give his normal celebration. He kind of put his hands up, very reserved, not wanting to gloat in front of what less than a year ago were his home fans. But the United players, Ronaldo included, kind of pushed him into the corner where all of the United fans were. And it was great to see this after, you know, he had fallen out of favour at Manchester United. He comes on in, you know, the 70th minute and ends up getting the goal that wins the game. Lingard kind of reluctantly smiled and enjoyed the moment. Three minutes of additional time were announced. West Ham gets the ball into the box Luke Shaw is defending and then the ball very clearly hits Luke in the arm in the 92nd minute. The ref goes over and checks on VAR and the penalty is given. And it looks like Declan Rice from West Ham is going to be the penalty taker. And then there was a sudden movement from the West Ham bench. David Moyes gets up and he brings on longtime captain Mark Noble to take the penalty. Noble literally hadn't touched the ball he wasn't even warming up on the sideline when he was whisked into the match to take this penalty. And i got to say, I had Euro flashbacks when Southgate brought on Rashford and Saka and Sancho to take penalties. Noble looked focused, but he was bone dry and he looked a bit nervy, to be honest. He steps up to the penalty, puts it to the right, and De Gea sees it all the way, makes an amazing save. Man, you get the ball down the other end of the field, whistle goes, 2-1 the final, and Man U get all three points, breaking West Ham's unbeaten streak of eight games in a game that they could have very easily tied if they had put the penalty in the back of the net. If penalty, if, if the penalty goes in, if Noble puts the penalty in, I'd be here praising David Moyes for the decision. You know, wow, you know, you brought on your captain, your main guy, the guy who put penalties in on the training field, you know, well done. But I, I also feel like I can't criticize him for bringing him in and him missing it. He said after the game that he would have regretted more not making the choice than putting Noble on and missing the penalty. He's glad that he gave the veteran the opportunity. But 
like I said, I was having flashbacks of the Euros watching this moment. I went, God, he's he's not even touched the ball. He's got the ball in his hands before he's even had it on his foot. And now he's got to take the most crucial penalty in the 92nd minute. I think there's enough proof to say that a guy who hasn't been in the game or gotten himself ready for a moment like that, it's very hard to then live up to that moment. And how can you even get yourself ready on the side of the pitch? What, in the 70th minute, he should have started jogging around thinking, hey, maybe in the 92nd minute, I'm going to get a penalty. I mean, there's no way you could predict a moment like this. It was quite a dramatic finish on Sunday. And Manchester certainly will be happy walking away from that one with all three points. A big London derby also took place this weekend. Chelsea took on Tottenham, and it really looked like anyone's game in the first 45 minutes. Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel decided to make a change at the 45th minute, took off Mason Mount and brought in N'Golo Kante, and it seemed like the halftime talk and this substitution made all of the difference. Lots of chances came for Chelsea in the second half, and the first goal off of an amazing header from Thiago Silva, Conte got on the score sheet with a great strike and then Antonio Rudiger found himself with enough space in the box to put a strike in the bottom left corner. 3-0 the final, but the scoreline certainly flatters Chelsea. After the first half, it didn't look like it was going to end 3-0. But credit to their pressure and change in mentality for the second half. And Thomas Tuchel deserves almost as much credit, maybe even more so than the players. So many times you see a team struggle through the first half and then come out in the second half and push, but nothing's really changed. Whatever he did in that halftime talk just just really flat out worked. There was a clear shift in mentality in the second half, a clear shift in pressure. And that's what you want from a manager, someone who's going to have an immediate effect, make a decisive decision, like saying, all right, Mason Mount, you've proved yourself for club and country many a time, but this isn't your day. I'm going to take you out and bring in another world-class you know, former World Cup winner in N'Golo Kante. And this is the adjustment that's going to solve it. I'm going to take one attacking player out and bring in more of a midfielder. And that's exactly what it needed to to be. And, and the, the fairy tale of Thomas Tuchel continues. Big test for the Blues as they take on the Sky Blues, Manchester City. The first time they're meeting since the Champions League final. They play each other next weekend. Arsenal got another three points, another victory over the weekend against Burnley. The hope they can follow in Chelsea's footsteps next weekend when they take on their North London rival, Tottenham. Aston Villa won 3-0 over a very sleepy-looking Everton. Rafael Benitez's side didn't look up for it on the day. Norwich City's Premier League woes continue. 3-1 the final against Watford. Only two goals in five matches and no wins, putting them at the bottom of the table. On the other end, Brentford are enjoying their time in the top league, their second victory over the Wolverhampton Wolves. They've drawn two and lost only one, putting them in ninth in the early standings. Interesting storyline developing around the Brentford squad. Newcastle were able to get a draw against Leeds and Man City weren't able to get anything done against Southampton. Nil-nil the final. The champions will definitely view that as dropped points. Brighton got a big victory over Leicester. Four wins now already for the Seagulls in the season, so not in the relegation battle that they spent the majority of last year in. They're sitting in fourth in the table, which is pretty remarkable for the Seagulls. So let's get to the standings. Chelsea sit atop the table, even though they are tied with Liverpool on points and goal difference. The only thing that splits the sides is that Chelsea have an away goal against Liverpool, which counts that little bit more 
but is able to put them atop the table. It's razor thin margins, which is incredibly rare. I don't know that the last time two teams were split by an away goal margin. So Chelsea at the top, Liverpool in second, Man United in third, Brighton in fourth, Man City fifth, Everton sixth, Tottenham seventh, West Ham eighth, Brentford in ninth, Villa in 10th, Watford in 11th, Leicester surprisingly all the way down in 12th, Arsenal have made their way up from the very bottom and now sit 13th, Crystal Palace 14th, Southampton 15th, Wolves 16th, Leeds 17th and then the bottom three, Newcastle in 18th, Burnley 19th and Norwich City in 20th. Lots of football still to be played. Already been an amazing Premier League season, but always good to get a sense of what the table's looking like as the season carries on. The golf world waits with bated breath. It's one of the best events in the golf calendar, and it's finally come back around the Ryder Cup, the best team competition in golf, Team Europe versus Team USA. Of course, the Ryder Cup was supposed to happen last year, but due to the pandemic and how there wouldn't have been any crowds on the course, they opted to push it to this summer. So it's the 2020 Ryder Cup here in September of 2021. The Ryder Cup, of course, is held only every other year. So it's so great to see it come around and see these guys who play in such a individual sport finally getting to compete and play together as a team golf in a way is kind of a selfish sport only one guy gets to feel the joy of a major or a pga tournament and there's a determination and a focus that that one guy has to make to try and dominate and think i'm better than every single person out here but in the Ryder cup we get to see a different side of these golfers working in partners and in teams trying to make a joint success action kicks off on friday and it'll be quite the spectacle this weekend. Of course, we've had fans back in the stands at major tournaments and at regular golf tournaments for a while now, but there's nothing quite like the Ryder Cup crowd, and they should be on full display this weekend at Whistling Straits. The Cup has bounced backward and forward, home field advantage helping in both cases. Team Europe won in France in 2018, the last time the tournament was held. USA won it in 2016 when they squared off at Hazeltine in Minnesota. But before, it was three cups in a row for Team Europe, 2014, 2012, and 2010. 2012, Team Europe won on US soil, and they'll hope to do it again this year. Whistling Straits is a phenomenal golf course in Wisconsin, where the tournament's being held, and it'll certainly be a, an amazing place to get to watch the best going at it. And the teams are kind of as you'd expect. Europe's captain, Padraig Harrington, made his captain's picks of Sergio Garcia, who's played in a ton of Ryder Cups and has lots of success, loves playing in the team format. Shane Lowry got the nod from his fellow Irishman. And Ian Poulter, the postman who always delivers on Sundays, is back at the Ryder Cup. He was certainly right to get a pick from the captain, Harrington. Those who qualify for the team are John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, Terrell Hatton, Paul Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood and Tommy Fleetwood and Bernd Weisberger all earned their spots through qualification. For the US team, Captain Steve Stricker had a few more picks to make. He went for Scotty Scheffler, Daniel Berger, Harris English, Jordan Spieth, Xander Schauffele and Tony Finau. 
The rest of the team rounded out with the qualifiers Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Cantelay. On paper, both these teams sound incredibly, incredibly strong. But if I had to pick the, the paper winner of this, I'd have to give the team edge to Team USA. But when I think about how it'll play out come Sunday, <laughs> Europe might just be able to squeeze out the win like they're kind of prone to do. So I guess that's kind of a non-answer, is it? I think USA is better on paper, but Europe will kind of irk it out. But then the US could also just come out and dominate and blow Europe away and have the crowds at Whistling Straits right behind them. I, I don't know. It's going to be amazing to get to finally watch this Ryder Cup, this 2020 Ryder Cup. If I had to make a pick, if I had to, if I'm putting my money down on bet online, I'm saying Team Europe's going to win. There I go. Yeah, I said it. I'm looking forward to watching and I'll be looking forward to talking to my good friend Matt Moretz will be joining me next week here on the All American Brit podcast to discuss all the action from the Ryder Cup. Hope you'll be joining me then. Until then, follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, presented by Bet Online, I'm your host, Johnny McEwen. And until next time, take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.